Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you all for coming back and joining me again. Uh, I'm not quite sure what state the world is in as this airs. It's scheduled to go up in the middle of May, so we're recording um, towards the end of April. So any number of wonderful news or calamitous news could have happened in the interim, and uh, uh, we just don't know. We have no way of knowing. Things are so roller coaster up and down that it's hard to really say. But uh, one thing is for certain is that the Feel Your Fandom podcast is here. We are going to continue to be here. We are going to try and continue to focus on positivity and topics that uh, serve to inspire and not to bring us down. So uh, that being said, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash feel your fandom. You can find us on Instagram where I mostly just post stupid little memes, but you can find us there at uh, it's at fuel your on Instagram. So, and then you can find us on our anchor homepage, which links you to all the different resources where you can hear the podcast itself uh, at anchor.fm forward slash fuel your fandom. And if you go to that page and you, you can like the podcast on that page and it gives you the option to leave messages or you can send us an email, um, feel your fandom at gmail.com. If there's anything you want to talk about that maybe hasn't been discussed or uh, a topic that you thought needed more work on or whatever you want to do, you can send us a message that way. And you can also, uh, there's a button that allows you to donate to the program there as well. Uh, those donations go to doing things like, uh, keeping me in microphones and cables and uh, Tylenol and <laughs> the things that keep the show running. So, but anyway, you can find all that at anchor.fm forward slash feel your fandom. And so today uh, we are joined by someone that I've followed uh, for the last couple of years through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Ray Hayden. Um, he had introduced me to uh, this guest and uh, I've been following uh, his music career since then and it is it's a wonder to behold and so i want to welcome to the feel your fandom podcast mr regan lane well thank you brother it's really cool to be here i appreciate you having me i have no idea why you're doing this but i do appreciate it it's awesome man well the why behind it is and what i like to try and tell people is that the feel your fandom podcast was designed uh in an effort to inspire people and to bring out the parts of them that they're most passionate about. Uh, in particular, the podcast focuses on a lot of nerdy things like, you know, movies and video games and comic books and the things that have these built in fandoms around them. But really, uh, and, and my tagline for the show and what I say at the end of every show is that everything is fandom and fandom is everything. And I mean, what I mean by that is that there is, if you're, if you're, I mean, the, the word fan is built in. If you're a fan of a football team, you're fanatical about that team. You're a fan of that team. You can be a fan mm -hmm. of music. You can be a fan of uh, art. You can be a fan of writing. You can be a fan of literally anything, which I was very, very careful when I labeled and named the podcast because I didn't want to just be pigeonholed into talking about Star Wars and talking about Star Trek and I wanted I wanted to be able to broaden things and, and talk about whatever it is that brings us passion. Because as we talk about what we're passionate about, we mm -hmm. shine to other people. We show them what we're passionate about. We show them why we're passionate about it. And maybe that makes them passionate about it. Or maybe mm -hmm. that gives them an opportunity to express what they're passionate about. It, it's kind of a doorway to conversation is what I look at it like. So Yes, I dig that. All right, so you are in a musical project, which I have seen perform live uh, many number of times, uh, called Strangely All Right. And Indeed. You are the lead vocalist, correct? Uh-huh. Uh, why don't you give me a little bit of um, what Strangely All Right is? What, what's your motto? What's your philosophy? What are you guys all about? Um, well, well, Strangely All Right in general, um, there are no simple answers to things like this. So essay is about being yourself. I mean, and, and, and that's easy enough to just say, yeah, it's about being yourself. And then also the power of love. 
But one thing I've learned in, in the course of my time on this planet is that you can't pound people over the head with any, any type of message or my belief system or Sean's belief system or Ray's, whatever. So that's the core values of it is to be true and honest to ourselves with our songs and who we are as humans. Um, and, and, and then hopefully that comes out in the songwriting and the message and, and our actions. Because uh, the reality is in the world, and I'm guilty of this in my past, is that I can, I can say anything I want. Facebook makes it real easy and, and social media. People can say whatever they fucking want. And, um, but my actions to people and how I treat them and, and the way I am with my family and friends and the people I come in contact, that's the real proof. Mm-hmm. So um, there, there's the long answer to maybe a short answer that it's about being yourself and the power of love. But like anything, there's a lot of layers to that idea. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I really dig what you're saying, because like I was saying before we started recording, uh, I have um, throughout all of my musical endeavors as well, had to uh, label myself and define myself and kind of try to explain myself as to who I am and what I'm doing and especially more so as I started writing my own original music um, there was Mm -hmm. always this push to be able to be defined and uh, I'm not really keen on that because I like to do a lot of different things so uh, yeah I I found uh, and and I know this ties it back into nerdery I don't know how have you ever watched Star Trek oh yeah okay so the the original Star Trek uh, the Vulcans had uh, a philosophy, a mantra, kind of their credo, which was uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And I found that way more truthful in my real life, in my everyday day-to-day life, than I've ever found it in in science fiction. And yes, it applies to science fiction as well. But uh, Mm -hmm. if you take it as an overall kind of mantra for the life that we live, the world that we live in, infinite Mm -hmm. diversity which is certainly something we've got a lot of uh in infinite combinations is the only real path to a whole if that makes any sense yeah Um, absolutely it does and and i've thought that for years and and so finding finding ways to weave that into day-to-day life is actually kind of really interesting for me so uh, when i come across uh, you guys and strangely all right again like i said it was through ray hayden uh who i've been a friend with for almost 10 years now i'm sorry <laughs> yeah well <laughs> what can i say he's growing on me like a fungus but uh, uh having been friends with him for a number of years i've seen and 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 witnessed through him uh his desire and willingness to help and to to mentor and to uh, really push people into pursuing and, and achieving their dreams. And so uh, I've always kind of gravitated towards that. And so when when Strangely All Right came about and he started playing with you, uh, I, I was very keen on watching because pretty much to me, anything that Ray does has got to have something to it. I mean, there's got to be a reason he's doing it. And sure. so I sat down and, and I think uh, where it hit home for me the hardest was when I came to you guys had a uh, CD release party. Uh, it was like a year and a half ago, something like that. Yeah. Uh, for stuff. When, when stuff dropped. Uh-huh. And uh, I, me and you, we'd, we'd interacted rarely. Like we've introduced ourselves on a couple of shows, but that's about it. But uh, I came out and me and my wife both came out and we really, really enjoyed the show. Um, and then uh, I came home and I started listening uh, to the song stuff on mm-hmm. repeat and, and the lyrics just, they hit me as a songwriter, as a lyricist myself, uh, finding common threads and commonalities in lyrics is something kind of that I do. And, um, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to, I'm going to let you talk about it. Why, why don't you talk a little bit about the song stuff so I can relate that to what we're talking about? Like, cause, uh, well, the ly- lyrics to that were really poignant to me. Well, the the idea of of stuff is <laughs> it's just like anything. So um, I got uh, 
I go through life as a young guy and, and, and it was all about me. And uh, this is all hindsight looking back, but it wasn't until I got sober that I started having some um, understanding about the gifts that I've been given. Like I was brought up by my grandmother and uh, you know, just there, there's stories, there's things that I guess teach us, show us how to, to learn. So I'm brought up by my grandmother till I'm six. And then I'm in, I'm in a band and I'm in Los Angeles and I'm going back and forth and my grandmother's dying of leukemia and I can't make it to the hospital because I'm high in cocaine. So if, if that's a metaphor for, that's who I was. I, I, I had no understanding of gratitude or, or the gifts that I've been given in terms of family and love. It was all about more, it was about me. And so you get sober, you get, you know, I get sober and, and I go through this thing of finding out about who, who I am and causes and conditions that, that of why I drank. And one of the things was I didn't like being me. I wanted to be something else. But so, and then in the last, I don't know what it is, maybe the five, five or six years, um, it just became apparent to me that 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 line that and and that line is super simple to me but without some love in our heart it's all just stuff and that and that's the whole idea is that you know um i came across this and i tell my kids this and i tell people that i work with is that you know on your gravestone and all that shit whatever you want i said all i care about is that people you know people know that i gave a fuck and and part of that is that um you know, I told my daughter this, I, I, you know, I, I, I get like a broken record with my kids. It's like people only remember us in my, this is my perception by, by how we treat other people, you know, and maybe, and maybe at a different level of John Lennon-y shit and stuff like that. But, but in my world, um, my actions carry more weight for me than, than anything else. So that idea about love, it's also about, there's an umbrella for love with me about, you know, empathy, understanding, um, grace, you know, all the things that, that come with love and patience. And so when I have love, because, you know, one of the things that I've learned about this thing, life, I guess, on this plane is that it's all an inside job for me. And like, if I didn't know you and say you're talking at a meeting or we meet and you just grind me, I'm just grinding through what you're talking to me about. Mm-hmm. And then a week later, I come back and you say the same thing and it doesn't bother me at all. That lets me know that it's not you, it's me. It's how spiritually fit I am at that moment. And so anyway, the, the, like anything, it, it, those, those simple answers are based on these weird journeys Do you get to a point that um you know i it 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 ends up being about me that i define myself as a young man as a musician i'm a musician that's what mm-hmm. i do you know it's like you know and and um and then later when i was kind of a musician but i was really a drug addict i wasn't any drug addict i was a heroin addict i had to be like the special guy i had to be fucking unique and then I get to now, and I've been, I've been sober and in recovery for a while, and I, and I don't mind being a part of, and now I define myself as something I never imagined I would, that I'm a dad. I'm a, you know, my favorite job, my favorite responsibility, although it's not, it's not as, you're, as I've gotten older, it's a gift, is, is to be a parent. And then I get to be a friend, and I get to be a son, and I get to be a brother to my sisters, and I have all these other things. And then underneath all that shit is I'm a musician too. Yeah. And it's weird. It's like so I, I started to see and accept the all of me in that. And so inside of the belief system of of love that I'm talking about, without love, everything's kind of pointless to me, is is also escaping the whole, you know, and, and this has this is just my beliefs because people always get so uptight about the you know the whole Christianity. Christ's message is amazing, and I'm down with it. It's like it, it's one of the coolest things, and it's and it's amazing to live by. And some of the things were so far ahead of its time, but I still held on to, especially when I was in, in the middle of 
doing what I did. I held on to the Jesus from, from when I was five years old, that Jesus loves me. And, and it was too simplified. It was too, you know, there just had to be more. So um, anyway, that's, I get rambly tambly on that. But uh, that, that's the long answer to the idea of without love, uh, without some love in our hearts, it's all just stuff. So anyway. Right. And, and you guys, uh, a lot of, not, not just this um, album in particular, not just this song in particular, um, but a lot of the uh, uh, background work and the uh, pushing for your albums and your music and everything all revolves around that idea of love and inclusion and acceptance and grace and humility and and a lot of that i i imagine does stem back um not only from biblical teachings i mean i'm not a follower by any chance uh but i have i've studied it uh i, mm -hmm. I for years I, I had studied it and so i have a firm uh grasp on at least the basic tenets of it and, and so mm -hmm. uh it seems like a lot of the um attitudes surrounding your your creation your your musical creation your your online creation and persona it all seems to stem around these core concepts of love and grace and respect and inclusion and and everything like that and and i know for a fact that you know being around the music community that we both circle it's real easy to see those kind of concepts because um, either Ray does it, Jessica Lynn, his wife, she's very much about the same kind of basic concepts. All of the mm -hmm. artists that kind of track with where we're at uh, in the Pacific Northwest follow the same kind of basic tenets, the same basic kind of acceptance and respect and love. And um, mm -hmm. but it's really easy to lose sight of all of those things if you look at the at the world in a, in a broader sense, which. Um, now, one of the positives that I think has come from all of this uh, COVID nonsense is that mm -hmm. it's really opened us up to seeing and being more receptive, um, yes, to all the negative and all the, the horrible and the oh my God and hand-wringing and all that. But it really has on, um, just specifically speaking on an entertainment level, shown us entertainers who are willing to go out of their way to help other people. Mm -hmm. and prove that they're gracious and to do online concerts and support all these charities and i mean the list is is humongous there's no way i could even begin to to go down that list and we just had a podcast the other day uh which should be the one that airs before this one but me uh -huh. me and uh my brother-in-law and a friend of ours we all sat around and we talked about uh celebrities who are just good forces for good People like uh -huh. Fred Rogers and uh, John Cena, who does a lot of work with the uh, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation and mm -hmm. Steve Irwin and uh, Bill and Melinda Gates. I mean, we, we talked about a lot of these these people who just go out into the world to do some good. And it's real easy to mm -hmm. misplace that when, when you're surrounded by negative. But to, to be able to focus on it, I think, is a blessing. It's a real blessing. Yeah, because, and, and the reality is, is, is at least for me, the world, that whole thing is so big. And, and it, like people ask me, how do you feel? And I was like, if I told, I said, basically, I feel kind of sad and it, it feels heavy. It just feels super heavy. Heavy. You know, That's like, just like a weight, it. like, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, um, but then the, what I always say is like, but all I can, but I got to help my kid do her homework or mm -hmm. I have to take a guy through the book. I mean, all of that is shit I can't control. People, places, or things. Meh. You know, I can vote. I can make those decisions. But this stuff, um, you know, it's like being fearful or not going out into, into public. I've read some of your posts about it. It's kind of freaky. I mean, uh, but at the same time, we use caution. I use common sense. And I just deal with this as the best I can because um, that's kind of the cards that were dealt. But I anyway but yeah um the idea of doing good is like i can only do in my little world i can't me railing against the system which is why i can't be on facebook right now doesn't help anybody 
I'm not, I'm not being any, I'm not being of service to my wife, to my kids, to my mom, to any people. If I'm just on Facebook all day railing against the man, you know, it's, it's, and everybody gets to do what they want. But for me, it's about, I have to kind of like pare it down to this, you know, and just this world and what can, what can I do here? What can you, you know? influence? What can you control? Yeah. And then one of the things I've done this for a long time, my wife still thinks I'm crazy. I have, <laughs> I have said, I ask everyone I come in contact in every restaurant, Starbucks ever, I ask, I go, so how you doing? How are you doing today? And they always, nine times out of 10, people are shocked. Like, what? And I was like, how's your day going, man? And because I'm in such a habit, it's become, it's even, you know, it becomes more profound, I guess, in today's world, because people want to talk. People want to talk about it. You know, uh, going through the pharmacy, I'm picking up some meds and, and, (laughs) The lady goes, you know what? If I'm honest with you, I'm hanging on by a fucking thread. How she felt emotionally dealing with people and all that. And I was like, I said, dude, I get it. I said, I just want you to know, I really appreciate what you're doing. Those kind of things are the things I can control in my little, you know, this little thing. So, yeah, man, the, the, the bigness of the world um, it can feel overwhelming. And I've learned that if I, if I focus on that, I freeze, I don't do anything. I'll just, I'll just stay in it and just like, Oh, what do we, what do I do? Well, yeah. you know, so anyway, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a well, lot thank of you. sense. It's uh, it's the little things that we can control the smile that we put them on. I mean, nobody can see the smile on the behind the mask anymore. Yeah. But, uh, uh, the kind word or the the acknowledgement that you can pass on to someone else. Yeah, maybe they're having a really shitty day, and and you say, "Oh, how are you doing?" and and you make it sound like you mean it because you do. Yeah. I know yeah. you do. But uh, instead of "Oh, how are you doing?" it's more like, "Hey, how are you doing today?" And it <laughs> and like people- you said, it takes people aback. It's like I I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> like you said, it opens people up to like, "Oh, well." Shit, I'm not doing so good if you ask, but uh, I'm trying. Thanks, you know. Well, the one thing that, that I've learned based on my experience, when people have done that for me, when they say, dude, really, what's going on? You just seem a little off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it somehow, it, it, and I'm not positive, but I, I really believe that the ripple effect of that is real. And I'm never going to tell anyone, it's not my business to say, hey, I think you should do this because people are going to feel better if you if you tell them, you know, or ask them how they're doing. But um, I know that anytime that's happened, when people take that extra minute to talk to me or see what I'm doing or see how my kids are doing, my family, it makes me, when I come in contact, that next person kind of, kind of pass that on almost instinctively. So um, part of that is cool, I hope, you know, um, I don't have proof. I don't run around and go, hey, did you say something nice to someone after I said hi to you? But I Pass do, it on. Pass it on. Yeah, I do believe it in my heart that based on my own experience, and like I was saying earlier, you know, going from thinking I'm terminally unique in this kind of super special thing to I'm pretty, I'm just, you know, I won't say I'm average, but I'm just a human and I have a lot. I find out in AA especially that a lot of the experiences that I thought were unique to me, everybody has it, and the same feelings and thoughts and that. So when I get those good vibes from people caring and giving and, and giving a damn about me, I thought, yeah, why not? Why doesn't that make sense? You know, just if I pass it on, hopefully they do too. Yeah, what does it and, hurt? And well, and the reality, yeah. It, it, you know what? I think we have to, I have to do that because I, I don't do shit because <laughs> I'm looking for a ticket to heaven or anything. Or I'm trying to build up any kind of a thing in a bank account to go somewhere else. Right. Um, I think that in the now, if I truly mean it, um, that's enough. And, and that's, that's what it is for me. It's like I just, if I can lay my head on my pillow and know that I did the best I could to try to be who I think I'm supposed to be today, um, that's enough, you know? And I think if you, for me, and I, you know, I know you have kids, right? I you do. Have, you have, and I think 
how our kids see us is probably a clear indicator of how we are in the world. I mean, obviously your kids get pissed at you and all that stuff. They do, mine can be irritated with me. But in general, I can vibe off my kid and go, you know what? I'm doing all right. I'm okay. You know? Um, anyway, yeah. No, I agree. So we're going to take a real quick break, and then we will come back with more with uh, Regan Lane. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one convenient place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. still chatting with uh, Mr. Regan Lane of Strangely All Right fame. Now, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now, you had mentioned that uh, you've been uh, in recovery for a good long time. How long have you been in recovery? Okay, so uh, when we were talking about that, um, I, I moved into my mom's house, one of my highlights of my life when I was 40 years old. So uh, after I'd given everything away, and um, I was sober from 2001 to 2011. Okay. And so I wasn't totally clear with you about that. And um, my wife and I, because we became, quote unquote, too busy um, with our good lives that we've been given by Alcoholics Anonymous, or excuse me, my recovery program. <laughs> and um, I uh, hadn't gone to a meeting in about three years, and I uh, ran into a guy when I, um, I was having some back stuff, which, which is whatever that that's the legit part of the, the weird part is he said, Hey man, I got something for that. And I took an Oxycontin and it took six months for me to go through half of my 401k and have my wife leave and tell me you have, you know, this isn't who I married. This isn't who you are. And, um, so that was my lesson learned of that um, I can never, ever put any mind-altering chemicals in, in me because that's where it goes. So um, my sponsor asked me, what would I do different? And the thing that I made the decision to do different was to give this back. And uh, so that has been the journey for the last, so that was 11 and we're, so last nine years. So I had six months. I haven't, didn't have a drink. There's a bright side. In 19 years, I haven't had a drink. I quit smoking in 2005. Uh, but that is part of my recovery journey. So um, it, it's funny. It's like uh, old behaviors pop up really, really simply. Like when you ask me that, I'm like, well, I haven't, I haven't drank in 19 years. I'll just, and I don't think it through, but I thought, well, that, you just didn't tell the truth. What are you, why are you doing that? You, everybody knows your story. And worst of all, the one person that really knows is me, you know? <laughs> so anyway, so that, that's the deal. That's my, my whole deal there. Well, still, I mean, everyone's human. Everyone has slip-ups and, and, and especially hard is admitting them. And, and so, I mean, there's no reason you had to even tell me that. The, the, you know, you <laughs> no, been, there oh, is. <laughs> I've been 2001, I've been good. And, and, and I, would, I would have been, you know, just as happy for you as I am now. But yeah. Uh, 
you came back and, and you admitted to it and it's like, okay, see, there's a certain kind of clarity and honesty where, where there's nothing to hide. Yeah. There's no real need to, to fabricate or lie or come like that. Yeah. And, and so, and I feel, I am grateful to you that uh, you uh, reinforced that. And, and so I have a better understanding of that, but really ultimately um, it's a success story. 100%. Even the admission of a fault in that particular case is, is a success story because, you know, someone who's buried in their own shit might not be able to do that. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. And so, well, thank you. You, yeah. uh, you entered in the recovery process starting in 2001 and uh, mm-hmm. carried through by and large to, to now, uh, which is great. Uh, how have you seen, like you've been a musician for a lot longer than that. And mm-hmm. how, how have you seen this transition to sobriety and in being in recovery uh, have an effect on the music that you create or the, or the pieces that you work on? Uh, I think that that whole thing is, is a mental game. Um, I think that what I'm doing now um, is, is far better than anything that I did in the 80s. And I, and I was with a band called Stripes and, we we were down in Los Angeles and, you know, we talked to Geffen Records and all that nonsense. And what, what I find funny and maybe I wrong, oh, and Steve Boston had left heart and he was playing with us. So I, I'm meeting all these, I'm meeting Robin Zander from Cheap Trick and I meet Rod Stewart, all this weird shit. And, but I never think for a second that you might not be a good business investment while you're smoking crack before the meeting, you know? And that's in the mid eighties. It's like, yeah, okay. So, so I, I, when I eventually, and I mean, eventually get sober because as I found out and I didn't know this, um, you know, being young, I actually was sent to an AA meeting in, in the mid eighties around that time by the band because they, and they all partied and they were doing the same thing I was, but they're like, we're bad dude, but you have to get to a meeting. You, we can't be around you. I was like, Oh, so I went to that and I wasn't ready for that. And, um, so when I eventually get sober, because getting sober, at least for me has nothing to do with, Hey, I got a great idea. I'm going to stop drinking and doing drugs. It was nothing like that. It was like, um, it was in 99, I was doing morphine pink cocktails and I go into a, a three-day coma because I have encephalitis in my brain. So I, get, I come out of it with tubes in me and all that nonsense. And so I get a good couple weeks. I lose my memory. Uh, and then instead of saying, wow, that's enough, I'm like, well, probably was, you know, I was just, I was just drinking too much. So obviously painkillers would be better. To, to continue that journey. And then that turned into the next phase, which was, was uh, when you're taking 25 Vicodins a day, you obviously financially, you should probably do heroin. It's cheaper. Silly. Everybody knows that. And um, so progressive and fatal. And in the book that I read that, that I've been taught these things, it's jails, institutions, or death. I was headed to any of those. Um, and so I gave away, you know, my family, my job, my house, my car. And I ended up in a place where no one would talk to me. And uh, I had one friend, his name was uh, Mike Kinder, and he worked for, for the Milam Treatment Agency. And he got me in this thing, I think it's called SAM. It's, it, I can't remember it exactly, but it helps musicians to get into, into treatment. And so I ended up my mom was the only person that would take me back. So I, you know, she lets me live with her. I'm 40. And that's where it started. It started from the pain that was so great because they said, you cannot see your daughter anymore. You're endangering your kids. You, you are the, and, and in my mind, I was still an okay dad. Ah, I'm a good dad. No, you're a drug addict, dude. And you're endangering everyone around you. So that's where it started. And, and so, then so for a couple of years once i'm getting sober it's like oh i actually think that i can't write music anymore because i'm not chemically enhanced we'll call it mm-hmm. and it was the craziest thing and then 
I don't know how that that happens. See, I'm guessing that music is like that for you. That see, I just do it. It's what I do. I have guitars on the walls. I pick up a guitar. I play. I just write. It's it's something that makes me be who I am. But it took a couple of years to start to write again, and then I realized that the ideas and the thoughts and 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 who I was was a little more defined than it was when I was searching for things. Hi, I mean, you just, I mean, maybe other people can do that, but I can't. And so as the longer I've stayed sober, the more I've been able to hone in and trust my instincts as a writer and as a musician. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, man, that, that whole idea, initially, I think a lot of people go through that, they get sober. I've talked to numerous guys and they're like, oh yeah, man, I remember, I didn't think I'd ever be able to write again. And, um, and the other part of that too, is you get sober and just like anything, there's times when you don't really have any good ideas. You're like, eh. and I used to think, oh, that's, this is it. This is it. You know, writer's block. I'm never going to write a song. And then uh, I find out that, no, it's just like anything. It's like some days you wake up and there are people, you know, you're like, man, I don't feel so hot today. Just one of those days. Yeah. And you go through that day and then the next day starts. And I think that's how it is with songwriting too. I mean, Ironically enough, during this thing, um, after about a week of getting acclimated, I, I've been working a lot. And now I know people that, are that I'm close to that have barely picked up their, their instrument. They're just like, too, this is too weird. I actually saw Bill Bungard, the photographer. I know you know Bill. Oh, yeah. He was posting some stuff like, I, I don't have it. I don't feel like doing it. It's freaking me out. And I, and I was like, yeah, I get that. I could see that. So the cool thing about that though is, is, and, and I've heard other people mention the same thing. It's like, if you want to use this time that we've been given, whether you're sheltering in place at home and not able to leave, or yeah. even if you're working and you, you have to be out like I do, um, what you're doing with this time where there's no other social obligation whether you feel like you need to put that into a creative pursuit, write a poem, write a book, you know, garden or, you know, create fantastic new recipes, whatever. If that's what you're feeling, that's great. Do that. But there's in no yeah. way, shape or form any kind of strong governing hand, let's just say, forcing you to do it. I mean, this is, yeah. this is a collective trauma that we're all enduring together. And yeah. how people interact and how people deal with this trauma is going to differ wildly from person to person. I mean, absolutely. It, to expect that kind of creativity out of someone when maybe they're just, I mean, look, I mean, and you, you brought up Bill. Uh, Bill's a photographer that we both know. I've known Bill for years. Um, he does a lot of the big concert shoots, the Washington State Fair. Tacoma Dome, he shoots all the big bands. I love, love, love looking at all of his photos of all uh -huh. the places. I kind of live vicariously through him. And to see his social calendar kind of just flatline like that yeah. is, is, is interesting. And I've seen the same thing with, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Mike Savoya. Yeah. Uh, he does the photography for KISW. Huh? Uh, he's had, I think, the same kind of. Uh, window closed that he's not used to i mean he's always always busy always on the go and yeah. to all of a sudden not be not only not be able to but by law not allowed to yeah you have to find something else to occupy yourself and whether that's something creative or you know maybe you just want to sit around and play animal crossing for 12 hours a day who gives a shit <laughs> get, get up and take a shower you know uh, make your kids some <laughs> breakfast, but do what you need to do to take care of your own mental health and everything yeah. will shake out in the end, I think. So, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, or watch, I was going to say, or watch Ozark on Netflix. I haven't so. seen that one. Is that one good? Yes, yeah, really good. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. We've, been, we've been running uh, through Battlestar Galactica again um, <laughs> because my son you is. You are really. You are a science geek, aren't you? I'm you like nerd. that shit. I yeah, I like all that shit. <laughs> That's awesome. But, but I watched it when it came out, and then and then uh, 
Uh, I knew I was going to be interviewing. Uh, I interviewed a guy uh, last week whose name is Brandon uh, Jerwa, uh-huh. who did a lot of writing for the Battlestar Galactica comics that had come uh-huh. out and kind of dovetailed with the show. And so, you know, it started off as being kind of like, okay, I want to re- refresh myself on all of the characters and all of the things, but it really holds up. And I realized that my 15-year-old had never seen it, and he's like the prime age for watching that kind of gritty, yeah. uh, in-your-face kind of drama. And so uh-huh. uh, we've been running through that now, and it's been a blast. And Yeah, uh, there's something very satisfying about watching things that I watched as a kid with my kid. There's just something extremely satisfying. Oh, absolutely. You know? and, and I've introduced him to, like, Star Wars and Star Trek and all of the things that I grew up with. And uh, he's really been, uh, he's taken to it, but he's like, he's got interests that are outside of the things that I know anything about. So it's kind of interesting to watch how they diverge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kid's a beatboxer. He's 15 years old and he wants to learn to beatbox. And so yeah. that's been a loud mouth noises all over the house for a lot of time. <laughs> and he's probably getting good at it too. <laughs> he's actually really good at it. He does things with his voice that I wish as a musician, as a vocalist that I could do. Like he hits some kind of deep resonance, like uh, in his bass range. And it's like, God, if I could do that, it'd be freaking amazing. But <laughs> here I am shrieking like Judas priest and can't get a note out afterwards. But yeah, <laughs> but it's fun. And yeah, like you said, passing it on to the next generation is always fun. And so, yeah, I agree. I think being able to be creative in this time frame, Yes. I think uh, the creative of um, among us are going to have that opportunity once they've developed the ability to work past just the initial trauma stage of everything of, of losing yeah. your way of life, maybe losing your job, maybe losing a loved one. I mean, it's, really hard to put a time frame on well now i've got to be creative i've i've sat around for a month and still nothing to do and i must write a book i must write a poem i must draw a picture no sure one's, no one's putting a gun to your head get to it when it, you're ready it, and that's the you know i always talk about w- with our family is the new normal because um i'm i'm ancient enough to be around when um uh, when uh uh, 9-11 happened and I actually for my job at that time flew about two months after that and there were armed guards at the airports and people were like is that what it's like gonna be like and I was like well, shit I don't know I mean this just happened and now we go to the airports and all of the the way that's set up and the way it is that normal is based on something that happened you know what 20 19 years ago And I feel like that's what we're going to eventually get to here is some type of normal. I have no idea what that will be or not be, but um, yeah, it's weird. It's, and it's all all the practice of learning to be comfortable in my own skin has really come, come in healthy because reality is, is I'd love to tell you, every time I walk into my little studio, I'm writing songs. No way, man. Sometimes I pick it up and I'm like, eh, you know, that's that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. And so it's cool to be able to just be. And I think that's the biggest problem, at least for me, was to like, oh, wow, it just kind of screeches to a halt, everything. And and I think I can see that. Like, with, well, I'm using Bungard as an example just because he posts a lot. I'm like, yeah, I get that. It screeches to a halt for you, and it's like, oh, what do I do? And I think those new normals will come into place um, slowly, but surely, whatever that is for each person. Um, I read something. I, I really liked the post, the idea that um, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. And, and it really resonated with me, that idea, because of how the idea that we're all in this together is true enough, but there's just different levels of being in it like you said some people have lost their jobs they've lost loved ones some people are you know they're essential but we have to be out in it you know Mm -hmm. good times and uh, but i do like that idea that it's it's we're all in the storm but we're just in we're in different boats That's, that's cool for me yeah absolutely 
Well, we're going to take uh, one more quick break, and then we will come back with a little bit more from Mr. Regan Lane. Voting isn't just going to the polls on election day. Options like early voting, mail-in voting, and ballot drop boxes are available to more voters and are growing in popularity. How to Vote, a tool created by Democracy Works, breaks down the options your state offers for casting a ballot, empowering you to decide when and where to vote. Democracy works best when we all vote, but misinformation and confusion about election procedures have resulted in low voter turnout. How to Vote is easy to use and helps folks from all over the country overcome many of the process barriers to voting. Democracy Works is committed to helping you vote no matter what. You can sign up for election reminders, see what's on your ballot, get step-by-step -step assistance requesting your mailing ballot, explore your options for returning your voted mail ballot, check your voter registration status, find your polling site, and make sure you have the appropriate ID. Decide when and where you'll vote this year at howto.vote. heard was a little piece of one of the new songs that uh, Regan and Strangely All Right are working on called Psych Film. Uh, tell me a little bit about that song. Psych Film is one of those crazy things where um, Sean called me up. He said, hey, I got something. And I go, okay. And so he sends it over to me and it's, it's basically done. And he goes, I go, you want me to do the lyrics, do, do the vocals and stuff? He's like, yeah, man, just do what you do. So, and we've been writing a lot together more in the studio, but this was done more back and forth. We both have reason. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was the, the, the idea and the message in Psych Film, because eventually an idea and a message comes out is um, the whole idea that in the, the best of us is some bad and in the worst of us some good. You know, and that's the idea of it, that it, in simplest terms. But musically, it was really cool because we'd never, we did things and we both written together in the same room. But this was more like, here, I trust you, just do what you do. And uh, then we brought it to the band and JB added his drum thing and uh, Ray added his little deals. And uh, it, it uh, yeah, we're really happy with it. It's it's part of the new set of songs that we're writing that are a little bit longer and maybe at more atmospheric. So, um, and because of the beauty of technology and all of us, or three of us having reason, we're able to swap files and drop things in and keep the machine, not the machine, but keep the band moving forward and always having something to do. So that, that's what's exciting. When we've been working the, the same way behind the scenes, my band, Another Sentiment, uh, we've got, uh, we had literally just dropped the uh, EP, our EP, like the week this whole thing hit. And so uh, we haven't had a chance to go out and, and play it with people. We haven't had a chance to do any kind of promotion for it. And, and so uh, my uh, bass player, Shane, uh, who I've known a lot of years, um, he sends me this track at one point and he does a lot of um he plays a lot of instruments i don't play any instruments i i can okay. barely, i can barely play with myself so uh, fair enough <laughs> <laughs> so he sends me this track and he does what he he does the digital tabbing out for it 
and so it, it's very like 8-bit almost like video game retro kind of thing which is something i'm very passionate about but uh it comes across and and, and uh uh, they send it to me to help arrange it and, and kind of piece it together into where this, where should go, where. And, and yeah. So we've started doing like wholly digital songwriting, which we've not done before. I mean, we've used it in parts, but we usually get together a practice to hash bits out, but yeah. we can't practice right now. So yeah, uh, it's, it's new ground and it, it's interesting uh, the, how the creative process can move past and develop into this new normal as you say because i mean things are going to change they have to change they have to be different for a while and yeah how we choose to tackle that head on is going to be kind of how we face everything because i mean whether you like it or not it's going to be weird for a good long time to go up and give somebody a hug out in public (laughs) to fist bump or high five or shake hands or yeah and i'm a hugger yeah i am it's going to be difficult but it's just part of the process it's part of the healing from the wound and uh i people like oh what are you going to do once the restrictions are lifted what are you going to do what's the first thing you're going to do i'm like stay home for another two weeks because I don't know, man. I don't know if I trust. Well, you know, that, that that's interesting. You say that my, my sister's in Georgia and they open things up Friday. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And she, and she called me and she goes, the girl who does my nails called me up and said, Hey, you want to come get your nails done? And she was like, uh, what are you doing different? And she goes, well, we're only letting two people in. We're going to wear gloves and masks. There's going to be a window up. She's telling all this stuff. My sister goes, yeah, I think I'm going to wait a little bit. <laughs> and I get it. It's like, that's nice. Not yet. And well, it'll be a, per- it'll be personal for each one of us, how we move forward. Right. Even with restrictions lifted. It's difficult because, you know, you got on one side of the country, you see people being like, okay, we're still in lockdown. We're still in quarantine, stay at home, be safe. And then you got places like the mayor of Las Vegas saying, Oh no, open it up. It's fine. Uh, you know, we'll be your Guinea pigs. We'll be your control group. Yeah. No, no, that's absolutely not how that works. Uh, (laughs) There's got to be definable proof that this isn't going to prolong or make worse anything that's going on in the world. I mean, I've got a lot of friends who run small businesses and I've seen personally firsthand how they're affected by all of this. And, And while, yes, I want to reopen so they can handle business. At the same time, I don't because I want people to be safe and I want people to be healthy long term. And so until we find a way that's going to kind of mitigate that concern, I'm happy staying in my house, you know, as much as I can. Being Yeah, I get, you know. I get it. Because to move forward, we've had these conversations. They're going to have to have an... Uh, uh, ample antibody tests. We're going to have to have tests for COVID. You know, there's just going to have to be enough of that. And I think they, they'd have a better idea to keep their arms around things um, if we had a little more information. And mm-hmm. that's the thing where information is power. And right now, a lot of the fear is based on people don't fucking know. You know, it's like, uh, you know, we have like 1,400 cases in Pierce County probably double of that because there's not enough tests to go around. Yeah. You know, no one knows the true depth of it because see, and that's the problem. So I think once those things, however long that takes moves forward, that will give us a little more breathing room and for people to understand it. Cause right now it's just the boogeyman. It just is, you know, it's like, we don't know really what it, what all this entails. So crazy. Right. And, and that dovetails back into, into stuff because a lot of people are getting up in arms about reopening because they miss their creature comforts. They miss going to a restaurant or getting their nails done or getting a haircut or, you know, going to a movie, but really without the love that is going to keep the rest of us safe without that, 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 understanding it's all just stuff i mean and i think yeah. that's that's really why that song has been resonating with me even more lately so 
Well, it's it's interesting, you know, that, that whole idea, it's like, I was joking, I was like, oh, I need a haircut. But I, I don't need a haircut bad enough that I'm screaming that my my, my rights are being trampled on because it, from, where, for, from where I can see is that this is the first time since World War II that any generation that I know of has had to do anything to help the greater good, to step right. out of their comfort zone and to act like staying home and not getting a haircut or being able to go fishing or go to the park. And yeah, maybe people should be able to do that stuff. Yes, I, you know, I get that. But let's not let's not run around screaming at the top of our lungs when there's something else that's a worldwide thing. It's not like it's just happening here. Right. So yeah. Um, and maybe, it's not oh, like even the, one government's pushing it down. It's like all governments are saying, "Dude, you need to wait." You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Sweden, Sweden is one of the ones, and, and there I think they have fourteen or fifteen million that they decided to just carry on and their death rate is a little higher and once again some of the things that people are doing which may be appear to be risks or maybe it's just based on their scientific judgment will will help to help us move forward in one way or another but right now to me it's just it's so new it's like well, i don't know you know yeah. what's the right thing to do it's crazy well, but that idea about change you said it, it's it's we have a sign in our hallway that says life is change. Don't be a dinosaur. And uh, <laughs> we've had it up for the last year. And this is a perfect time for that because no matter what, how uncomfortable the universe don't care. We're in this, we got to just move forward. However that works for each one of us. So yeah, crazy. I agree. And, and, and it's just, it, it's going to be a thing where we have to be able to, lean on each other i mean sure. and understand where the other person's coming from and it's like i said i've got friends who, who have businesses that are shut down right now and i'm very sympathetic and so i try to spend money and and, and as much as i can in small businesses these days just to keep driving a little economy where i can but at the same time i'm certainly not of the mindset that i'm willing to forego other people's health concerns just for a little creature comfort. I can't be like that. And, and believe me, I want to be like that. I, I Every fiber of my being says, hey, man, God, I would love to just go out and get a good steak right now. Or, you know, <laughs> I'd love to go back and watch. There's that new movie that was supposed to come out. I'd love to go sit down and watch that new movie. And it's like, that's so shallow thinking. It's such just elitist bullshit thinking. It's like, no, there are people that have it worse than you. So yeah. sit back in your house with your electricity and your food in the fridge and your 8,000 fucking video games, if that's what's <laughs> going to get you through it, and quit your bitching. There are people Dude, who have it a lot worse. We just had a meeting this morning that was all about exactly that, about gratitude for what we have and not what we think we deserve. And every one of the people went through who have different things going on, but everybody, like you said, we had a roof over our head, you know, food on the table, family was healthy at this moment, and uh, some people working, some not, but in the end, everybody, if they looked at it, they're like, as of this moment, I'm okay, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what it is. It's like uh, that whole gratitude for what, what I have and not what I think I deserve, because that going down that rabbit hole is nothing but bad shit for my brain, you know, Absolutely. just it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, shit, I look at it like this. I got food in the fridge. I got a roof over my head. I got enough toilet paper. And even if I don't, I had the foresight to install bidets months ago. So <laughs> That's my, impressive. My, my butt will be clean no matter what. So. <laughs> well, Regan, I just, I really want to thank you for joining us here today. And it's been wonderful to sit down and talk with you. I can't wait till we can sit down and talk in person. That'd be awesome, dude. Thank you. I really what? appreciate it. This has been fun. And until that time, though, I want to make sure that I remind you and remind everyone else out there to just stay safe, keep tight to those that you love, and make sure that they're being safe and they're doing everything that they can to help mitigate this. And uh, just grateful. Be grateful for what you have and, and share the love and not the hate. And uh, from the Feel Your Fandom podcast, again, I'd like to say thank you for listening in. 
And as I always try to remind everybody that uh, everything is fandom and fandom is everything. Take care.